a new bi-weekly show on the Fish Stripes podcast, starring Isaac Azut and Kevin Barral. Fish Stripes Unfiltered starts right now. Fish Stripes Unfiltered, another episode, but the first one of the MLB lockout with my co-host Isaac Azut. My guy, how are you? Uh, it's going to be some boring episodes after this one because this one's a juicy one. The ones after that are going to be pretty boring with no news. Yeah, well, luckily we have some content to give you guys today. We'll have some special guests over the next couple episodes. But yep. like Kevin said, it's going to be uh, it's going to, we're going to be searching for some topics to talk about. Lockout started this morning at twelve oh one a.m. and with you know who knows when it's going to when it's going to end. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, uh, make sure to subscribe on YouTube and wherever else you listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those good spots. So let's start with the free agent signings. I mean, there was some pretty, there was a big one, and then there was an even bigger one, which was Avisal Garcia signed for four years, 53 mil, uh, with a team option. Uh, Isaac, your thoughts, man. I mean, you know, it's it's been a while since the signing. We've actually been able to anal- an- analyze this. You guys did it on the live stream yesterday. I did it on Spaces a couple times, but to the people that watch and filter, I mean, your thoughts on this Garcia signing? Good. I, the Marlins seem to have liked this guy for a long time and vice versa. Obviously, I will seem to have wanted to be a Marlin for a good amount of time. He's a Miami guy, lives here with his family. And to me, the length of the contract was okay. You know, four years of the fifth year option, you know, it was a little lengthy, but for the amount that they're paying him, which is 12 million for every single year. And if they do sign him to, they do pick up that fifth option, that fifth year option, it'll be another 12 million. It's very affordable. It'll be $53 million over four years, at least with a $5 million buyout. So to me, it's a, it's a very good signing. He'll add some stability from the right-handed batter's box, some power to go along with all the lefty power bats Miami already has. It's a good sign. He's got a strong, strong throwing arm, great sprint speed. So he's a, he's a good addition to the Marlins. I want to make it clear, like I say to you guys, uh, I've been making the playoff for three years and never got to the World Series. So I, I come here to, to win, to win and, and, and win a ring. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm really excited. I want to thank my wife, my two kids, and my A.M. Jing Mato. And I want to thank, you know, God for, for all the blessing that they give us, you know, the help. I think, uh, um, I think this is the most important. And I, I want to thank everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I just hope they don't use him in center field. The video, we have another option, but... This is a great signing. He had a good season with Milwaukee. He had 29 homers. Uh, he had a 262 batting average, 330 OBP, 820 OPS. Very good stats for him. And I think it was one of his best seasons. I think the best one with Milwaukee. He had a lot of success, which eventually earned him the contract. And he did want to be with the Marlins 
for a long, long time. I think it was three years ago that he wanted to be with the Marlins in 2019. They went with Corey Dickerson, and he's wanted to be there since. Uh, they they announced him yesterday, so we're filming this on a Thursday. Wednesday, they, they announced that he, you know, the signing, and they announced another one, Sandy Alcantara, five years, 56 mil, with a six-year option. What a team-friendly contract this is, Isaac. I mean, they literally stole him, and I think he's the player to sign with the most years of control. So your thoughts on the signing, man. This is a great one. Yeah, I believe it was the largest contract given to a pitcher in his contract status. I think it was first-year arbitration eligible. Yep. He'll be making $3.5 million this year. And in his free agent seasons, which is what matters, Miami's going to be paying him $17 million. And there's a club option for a sixth year even at $21 million. And you just look at the pitchers, like I mentioned last night. Look at the pitchers, what they're commanding in free agency. To get a guy of Sandy Alcantara's caliber at that price is just fantastic. You know, Sandy will be pitching opening day for at least the next four or five years, and it's going to be outstanding to watch him continue to get better. Miami, we're here. I'm looking at this picture now, and I know Take said this on Twitter, but Vista looks like the oldest 30-year-old man I've ever seen. He looks like he's 40 in that picture, maybe a little more, but I mean, th this guy's still going to do great things. And going to Sandy, wow, this is what a team-friendly deal. They stole him. I feel like if he had entered free agency, my – one in that in that year he would enter free agency, I think Miami wouldn't have out, been able to outbid whoever was would have been interested in him there because he would be earning over a hundred million dollars easily. So get I'm glad they got this done now and now it's time to make more moves, sign a couple of the guys. I know on Twitter I mentioned Trevor and Jazz maybe next year if they have a good sophomore season to get that locked up. I don't know your thoughts on that, but I was getting a little bit of criticism, but I was getting a little bit of people telling me, yeah, this. It makes sense to start locking up the guys because you look at it, Miami, my, I don't want Miami to go through another Starlin Marte type of thing, which was a little bit different to the Sandy one. But get the guys now, the core guys that you want to bring in and you want to keep for the future, makes sense to do that. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on, I guess, that kind of statement I just made? And quickly with Sandy, he's the ace. It makes sense to bring him back. Team-friendly deal. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, when it comes to extending other guys, I don't think any of them have really, you know, maybe gotten to that point in their careers yet. None of them are that Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Wander Franco type guys where you want to extend a guy like Jazz. Not quite yet. I think the one who might make a case is Trevor Rogers if he has another mm -hmm. solid sophomore season. I think he's someone that maybe Miami would look into extending, especially if he performs half as well as he did his rookie season. But other than that, any of the offensive players is not, you know, not yet anyway i think you know sandy sandy was the important one he was arbitration eligible but all these guys making the league minimum no reason to no reason to get into that quite yet in my opinion yeah and i mean there's also pablo he got tendered so i i think you would have to give him another year when it comes to maybe contract extension i know aguilar they tried to make it happen so there's a lot of guys who i think have been talked about a contract extension i don't know who the only one we're actually aware of has been aguilar who was the last one they offered him a two-year deal he declined and first base is looking a little bit iffy now with the Kyle Schwarber rumors and all that good stuff. So although he doesn't play first, I'm talking about DH. So we'll see what happens there. It's going to be interesting. So and quickly with Havisael, where do you see him playing? They see center field, but man, uh, yeah. in TikTok. I know, I know it's TikTok, but in that video, he said they put right field. So yeah, no, he's I, don't, right I don't know why specifically right field. You look at it, they could have put outfield and maybe it would have. Nothing would have happened, but now you start to think they put right field there, and he said right field. He's used to left, which not good at all. Well, yeah, no, he's um, obviously is a right fielder. That's where he's more comfortable. That's where they're going to put him at the moment right now with no center fielder on the Marlins. Let's say they fight, you get a true center fielder. 
then Abisayo will be in right field and Jesus Sanchez will be in left. I think that's the best case scenario. I know Jesus is more comfortable in right, but if you're paying this guy $53 million, he's going to play right field. Jesus will have to just, you know, adapt and left in spring training and just get better and get better. I know he looked a little iffy there in his, you know, in his limited time there this year, but I think he'll be fine. He's a good athlete. He's never going to be a gold glove candidate in left, Jesus Sanchez. No, but, right. you know, it's fine. It's going to be an offensive oriented outfield is what we've all been waiting for. Now, if Miami does sign someone like a Kyle Schwarber, what Craig told us on the space was that Kyle Schwarber would play left, Jesus will play right, and Abisalil will play center. And that that would make a, an iffy defensive outfielder outfield even worse. So yeah. we'll see. I, I personally wouldn't mind it that much. I know it would be really sketchy and a lot of balls are going to drop out there, but you're going to get maybe even 100 home runs from your outfield. So yeah. you're just going to have to sacrifice some defense for some offense in that scenario. Yeah. And we'll talk about center fielders in a bit because there's something I do want to talk about that. And speaking of gold glovers, we did acquire one the other day, which was Jacob Stallings in a trade that Pittsburgh received to Zach Thompson, Kyle Nicholas, and Connor Scott in exchange for gold glove winner Jacob Stallings, who is an offensive menace. Not a menace, defensive menace. Uh, he's good on offense. Uh, I don't think it's the Wilson Contreras type of offense that we may have wanted or may, most of us preferred, but Jacob Stallings was the guy that Miami seems like they wanted for a while. He has a lot of control. So, Isaac, what are your thoughts on the deal? And I guess, what does it mean for that backup spot? Because I, I know the backup isn't that crazy, but it seems like it's going to be Alex Jackson from what Craig says. Yeah, no, I was really happy to, uh, to see them finally solidify that catcher spot. To me, that was the most glaring hole by far. You know, you cannot get worse than how they were in 2021 and 2020 with Alfaro and Wallach and Sandy Leon. So I'm glad they went out, went out and got this guy. Great defender. He'll, he's going to make everyone on the pitching staff better. He's one of the best framers in baseball, and it's just when he set the record, you know, this year, consecutive games without a pass ball, which is just insane. It felt like Alfaro would have a pass ball every week. But, you know, we wish our best to Alfaro, who was also traded to San Diego. And with Stallings, yeah, you're right. He's not the offensive player that Wilson Contreras is, but he is that he does have that defensive prowess that was just going to make every single young starting pitcher 10 times better. So we're very excited for him. Yeah, and that's something else that all these catchers had issues with defense. None of them were that good on defense. Sandy Leon is a maybe, but besides that, Alfaro didn't have good defense. I don't think he threw out barely any, maybe one or two runners he may have thrown out. Wallach in his time couldn't throw out a runner. Um, Payne Henry, first game, not Payne Henry, Nick Fortes, first game I was there, he had like two or three pass balls. I mean, it, it was bad. I don't yeah, I actually I, covered uh, Fortez's debut. You did cover it. You he, he had some trouble. It was, I think it was Edward Cabrera pitching, and he, it was yeah. some tough pitches for him to, to block, and some of them went against him as pass balls. But, yeah, like you mentioned about the backup spot, that's going to be actually pretty interesting because you're going to assume it's going to be Peyton Henry, Nick Fortez, and Alex Jackson all competing for the backup spot. So for the first yeah. time, you have you know three, four viable options behind the dish, You know, not like Alex Jackson is a fantastic option or Peyton Henry. Fortes showed a good amount offensively in his short time, but it's going to be really fun to follow that in spring training. Yeah, and I'm using base with Gun as a source, but he did say that they're going to do a fake competition. And at the end of the day, it'll be Alex Jackson because you have to remember, they traded Adam freaking Duvall for this guy. I mean, they're going to give him as many chances as possible to get Adam to get um, the value out of Alex Jackson to see what he could do. So we'll see what, what happens there. I personally would go Nick Fortes or Pay and Payne Henry, like some kind of platoon backup catcher type role there. But at the moment, I guess it's going to be Alex Jackson from what it looks like. I think I think if Payne, if uh, Fortes impresses enough, 
to do better than Alex Jackson, then you could say, all right, let, let's let's uh, put Jackson in AAA or try to trade him like you did with Alfaro and and throw in Nick Fortes. I think that would be best. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you. If they start, if they make it Jackson just because of who they traded for him, they're that's just, you know, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. At this point, it's like a sunk cost. You know, with Alex Jackson, you have him. You already traded Duvall. There's no point in just playing him because you traded someone good for him. If Fortes is the better backup, and I think he might, well, he, I think he could be. I don't think you're really relying on defense as the backup in this situation because of who your primary catcher is now. So I think if Fortes is the much better offensive player, we'll see how spring training goes. You got to give him the job. And it also just doesn't look good if Fortes goes off and hits 400 in spring and Jackson is striking out at 60%. You can't just give the job to um, to Jackson. It's sort of like that Isan Diaz Jazz Chisholm competition at second base. They Isan Diaz had the inside job, and if they would have just given it to him, you know, he went like twenty three straight at bats hitless, it would have looked bad. So I think they'll, I think they're going to do the right thing. And if Fortes has the better spring, he should be the backup. Yeah, and another trade that went down, very controversial one, I, I would say. And you guys saw what I graded it on on the Fish Stripes article. I rated it a C plus. Was Joey Wendell coming to Miami in exchange for Cameron Meisner? In, in some people's eyes, the most pure hitter in the minor league system for the Miami Marlins, better than J.J. Blade at the time. Isaac, what are your thoughts? And I know you and me, I think, are going to fully agree on this, that it, w- it was an overpay. Yeah, I don't know about the best pure hitter in the organization. That's but what Alex Carver said, not me. Just want to keep that. No, yeah, I don't know about that, Alex Carver. But uh, definitely <laughs> one of the most highly touted. It's definitely one of the highest ceilings, for sure. I think offensively probably has the highest ceiling. Or, you know, just all around player definitely has a high ceiling in the organization or hat, you know, that was in the organization. It was a tough trade. It was tough to see his name be reported as the centerpiece going back as the only player going back to Tampa. You just look at these highlights, you know, he can hit the ball over the fence and, you know, opposite field straight away. Obviously he can pull it. That was a tough, he was the 35th overall selection in 2019 after Blade. He was first round talent, struggled a little bit in tournament play. In return, you do get Joey Wendell, who has proven in the big leagues as an all-star last year crushed the Marlins in game two of the 2021 season, hit it into the upper deck in the ninth inning. He's Wendell is going to be a great addition to the ball club. I, you know, I can't say enough about him, but Meisner is going to be a great, great guy for Tampa Bay to have and develop at their own pace. So Tampa Bay definitely got a good one, but so did Miami. Yeah. And with Meisner, he's going to Tampa, which is the best farm system in the MLB undoubtedly. I mean, they have the best organ, the the best development system too. You look at these guys: Wanda Franco, Shane Baz, who who's pitched a couple games, and all these guys who come up in that Tampa Bay organization. They have like mo, like I would say ninety percent of them have a lot of success in the MLB. I don't know if Glass now was in the in the in the minors, but that guy's having a great great success with Tampa. Austin Meadows too. So so you really look at it. Tampa's a great spot for Cam Miser, and I think he's going to turn out to be a very good player, maybe All Star caliber if you really want to go there, but. Yeah. yeah, and then when you look at Joey Wendell, it's a lot of reassurance, and it's that super utility role that the Marlins desperately need because John Birdie's concussion seems extremely career-ending right now. They tendered him contract, but I assume he'll, I think personally he'll get DFA'd or traded or something, depending how that injury is looking. Because that concussion, and I know Noah was there, Noah Berger, he was there, and he said that sound was horrifying. The, the, the sound from getting hit in the back of the head, having that concussion. And we've barely known anything. All we know, he was out for the rest of the season. And correct me if I'm wrong, Isaac, I think he was on the seven-day IL at some point. And then I'm pretty sure they transferred him to the 60-day. 
I think that's what it was. But yeah, he he was he was put on the concussion IL and he just never came back. They transferred him to 60 day, I believe, along with Cooper, along with Andy, and they yeah. all had to reinstate him back, put him on the 40 man. So it's very curious. It's been really quiet on that front. We have no idea how he's doing. We have no idea if he'll be able to play again. So, you know, it was smart for them to go get Joey Wendell. You know, it's you look like the infield is gonna be, you know, BA Rojas Jazz from you know five, six, four. Yeah. But you know, with Wendell anyone gets injured, anyone struggles, Jazz goes in a little bit of a slump, Andy gets injured, Andy goes in a slump, plug Joey Wendell in there instead of Eddie Alvarez, it's a much better ball club. Yeah, and that's what, that's where I wanted to get to. It's a lot of reassurance. It's not Isan Diaz at third for Brian Anderson, who's out for a 10-day IL stint. It, it's Joey Wendell, who's a good hitter. He has great defense on all on all parts of that um, in, the, in the diamond, besides first. And he, they, even, they even consider him possibly to be a starter in opening day. That's what I think Kirk Mish has told, said on Twitter. So you look at it, Joey Wendell could be a great addition. It just sucks they had to give up a guy like Cam Meisner. I think it was a little bit of an overpay. I think when the trade went through, it, we were all excited. We did not, we didn't know it was Cam Meisner. And joke, and I thought Daniel Rodriguez jokingly told us it was Cam Meisner. And, and it was real. It was actually Cam Meisner. We all expected it to be a lower-end prospect, but... You start to look at it, man. This guy was an all-star. He could really help you. He had good numbers, great numbers, actually, for Tampa. He was a big piece of that team. So, yeah, it makes sense now. You have to give value to gain value. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just, like you said, it's going to hurt with Meisner, but Wendell helps the team right now. And Miami, according to Craig Mish, was just willing to get rid of prospects that weren't exactly one year away or even less. They wanted, they're willing to give up guys that aren't going to help them right now. So they're, it's not totally shocking that they were, they were willing to give up Meisner. It was just maybe a little shocking that it was for someone like Wendell. Yeah. And just to continue with that, uh, I guess a follow-up kind of who, who goes next, which major leaguer goes next. I have a good, an- I have an answer that isn't a, that I think makes sense because we expect the Marlins to make another trade after the lockout. I think that's what, Mish said that they would go after another outfielder, even if it isn't a center fielder, because they're pretty comfortable with that Visayel in center. I think they've mentioned. I'm a little bit surprised by that. He's a big guy. I don't think he has that much quickness, but who, who would go next? And there's many options you could look at. Well, yeah, it, it depends where you're going. Um, I think they do want another outfield. Like you said, it looks like they're in a, they're in a conversations with some American League team, a mystery team, if you will. Um, but you'd think that maybe another one of those pitchers will go again, whether it's Eliezer, Pablo, unlikely. It doesn't seem like they're, they're that willing to trade him. He's not untouchable, according to the report, but he, he is available. I don't think anyone's untouchable other than Sandy and Trevor and maybe Jazz. But, yeah, you'd think it's someone like Eliezer or one of Cooper or Aguilar because, you know, you have really an abundance of players at first base DH over there especially if you sign another corner outfield guy, you may want Jesus to DH yeah. sometimes or Avi to DH sometimes. So I would say it's one of those two or three options. Yeah. Uh, Eliezer is, I think, the first one that you really have to look at. And, and you know, because of the reports from Toronto, you look at Pablo. But why not Poteet? I mean, I know he barely pitched for the team. But when he did, he was pretty good. Uh, he was in a very similar situation as Zach Thompson when he came up, starter. They didn't seem like he was going to be anything good. But he turned out to be pretty solid. He he really held up that rotation. I don't know. Poteet could be an option. I don't think he'll be the headliner in a trade like maybe like some say Zach Thompson was, in my opinion, it was Kyle Nicholas. But what are your thoughts on maybe seeing Poteet that get departed from or yeah. get traded from the Marlins? Yeah, I definitely. I, I just think is I don't think he's making that much money. Maybe they're not in such a hurry to move him. You know, what was Thompson earning? 
league minimum as well, I believe. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so I think the first guy that they will want to move on from is Elias, just because he's going to be making a good amount of money. I think a little bit over $2 million. So I think he's the one who they're really going to try and move. Same reason why they got rid of Brinson instead of Isan. So I think they're just going to be looking at LEA. But yeah, some team would love to get Kotit. Kotit had really solid minor league numbers throughout his career. Was finally given a shot this year because we needed him. We needed every freaking arm in the organization. So yeah, they, they could be an option as well. Yeah, and then we you talk about that American League team. There are many ways we could go here. I think the first one I, I mentioned to you guys was Toronto because they had the conversations already for Pablo and Eliezer. Maybe a Teoscar Hernandez makes sense. I mean, what what was your what would your American League team guess to be in I guess in this case? I mean, if I'm like you know really hoping it would be Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore yeah. As you guys can see uh Kim Aang gives a little wink before she says another big move might be coming. Could be a Cedric Mullins trade, but that would, they, uh, you guys aren't going to like who would have to go back to Baltimore. It's going to be a Max Meyer. It's going to be a Pablo Lopez as well. It's going to be a lot of those guys. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think Toronto makes sense. They need pitching. They need pitching now, and they're trying to win right now. They are in a big yeah. rush with all their fucking, uh, with all their stars. They really need it badly. Um, and, yeah, Teoscar Hernandez fits all the – you know, checks all the boxes. He's a – Great hitter, and he can. He would rake, and he'd be a great addition. He can also probably fake in the center field. I think I'm not. I haven't paid much attention to Toronto, but I think he can. He also has the capabilities of playing center. I'm pretty sure when Springer was injured, he was their center fielder. So yeah, there you he, go. And I, and I know Eli was telling us that he checks the box of that center fielder. He played a considerable amount of games there. So yeah, and, and it's funny when Kim Ang, you know, did the little the wink with the big moves because they see minute man. They really do. They they made that trade with Alfaro. They got rid of Brinson. Although it, it really hurts, and nothing that we'll get into your thoughts on that Alfaro trade, which had to be done as well as the Brinson move, really. And when I look at Brinson, I could have seen him as a defensive player that Miami could have used, but obviously would have had to get some at bats. And I don't think any of us want want that. And they have DLC, which you look at it, I don't think you really need Brinson in, in, in that in, in Miami anymore. Although I think he went through waivers or he got claimed. I'm not sure. He just elected free agency, so he's officially okay. Um, organization brian de la cruz is just the better man version of, of lewis brinson unfortunately de la cruz just hit right yeah. away in his debut he can be a decent center fielder he's got the power and i think he his best role would be being that fourth outfielder and playing two to three starting two to three times a week i think that's going to be a huge addition that the miami didn't have in the first half of last season to have him coming off the bench you know instead of guys like we've mentioned like alfaro so that's going to be huge. And yeah, Alfaro was traded San Diego for a player to be named later along with Cash. I think the only reason they were able to trade him, besides his versatility, was that Francisco Cervelli loved him. I, Francisco Cervelli is the catching coach for San Diego now, and I think he really pushed San Diego to, to make that trade. Yeah, uh, the Alfaro thing, the Padres were interested. Uh, Francisco Cervelli is now the catching, um, I guess, the catch, the catching, um, what's it called? The catching manager, I guess, or assistant? He, he, he's coach. helping the catchers, yeah. Um, so Alfaro goes there. A little bit su not, not surprised that he went there. It's just a weird fit for him because you have Austin Nola, you have Victor Caratini, and I have um, this guy, Jorge Alfaro. So I don't I don't know where he'll fit. Maybe he goes to first. Maybe they use him as a DH. But when Alfaro is good, and we saw it in 2019, he could really be a great catcher in this league, a top 15 catcher because – Catching is very thin now in the MLB. The catch, you, you saw that free agent market. The best guy was Jan Gomes and Mike Zunino, who got his team option brought in. So, 
you and Manny Pena, who was offered a one-year, four million dollar deal by the so very interesting article by Craig Mission, uh, Barry Jackson. By the way, we, we could get into that. You guys maybe could get into that in the next stream, but yeah, Alfaro to San Diego makes sense because of one man only, Francisco Cervelli, who's now there on that staff, and then Brinson. Yeah, it really does hurt because. He was supposed to be the headliner of the Christian Yelich trade. He was. I mean, it was concerted at the time. Now, the only one left is two people, Isan Diaz and Monte Harrison, which it seems like both of them are gone or something's going to happen with them. We're just not going to make it up to the MLB at some point. But Brinson, it was just a pressure that got the most of them, I think is what happened at the end of the day. His defense was never a doubt, in my, in my eyes at least. His defense was incredible. He played center, right, left, no issues was the offense he never got the bat he never got the batman and that's what really sucks because if this guy was at least the league average hitter i do think he could have worked out in the Marlins at least a little bit longer than now him being gone after three years and he did have he he did have a good 2020 towards the end and then he had that stretch in 2021 where it seemed like he was the best hitter in all of baseball so yeah i think if you have any other thoughts or comments on that yeah, yeah well you know he was actually here for four years they gave him Four you know, years. since 2018. Um, and you know what's a uh, harsh reality about it is that, you know, that trade, he was the headliner. He had the unfair pressure of being the headliner. And what, like, sucks is that he he's the best player from that trade. Like, he is, like, the best one. Technically, yeah, he is. And, like, imagine, you know, how, you know, unsuccessful he is. And he was. He's better than Isan Diaz. He's better than Jordan Yamamoto and Monte. So just think about how bad that trade was that Lewis Brinton really was the best player. So... That stunk. We that stunk. We wish him the best for sure. Wherever he goes, I, I'm sure there's gonna be five to ten teams out there that are gonna be willing to give him a chance. Maybe a non-roster invitee to spring training. Mm-hmm. But we wish him the best. Really classy guy. Really nice guy. And you know, it, it's it's a shame that it didn't work out in Miami. It might work out somewhere else. And if you guys do want to know about all these trades that went down a while back ago, we did film an episode. I think that was episode two with Ethan Badowski, Fishstripes alumni. So you guys could check that one out for sure. Yeah, quick, with Brinson, I don't know what team would really go after him. Uh, I could also obviously see him on a major league roster next season, maybe minor leagues. But he he's a great defensive player, man, and I think he could really fit a team like maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe they go after him. Yeah, yeah. They don't seem to be competing anytime soon, and their outfield doesn't look too good. Texas Rangers, they have horrible outfielder outfield. That's a big need. I know Rom was talking about that today. I don't think he would be a starter, but for sure maybe a a, a depth guy on there. Arizona. I, I don't know. I, I look at those teams that don't really seem competitive now. He, Texas all of a sudden seems. Yeah, well, Texas is going to be Texas is going to be insane. I don't think they're going to look at at Brinson, but yeah, they just committed yeah. half a billion dollars to their middle infield, so I I think they're they're aiming higher than than Louis. Yeah, and I think the question for, that everyone wants to know is what do the Marlins do next? You know, what's that next big move after the MLB that they'll make? We heard Kyle Schwarber. We've heard Eddie Rosario. Chris Taylor, unfortunately, went to L.A., which sucks because the contract that he really got, I think Miami could have made it happen. And then we do have, I guess, some Starling Marte information that we'll get into later. Yeah, no, actually, the Starling Marte, they went into this offseason hoping to get Garcia and Marte, and that would have been, yeah. in my opinion, best-case scenario. Maybe they can get someone better than Marte for center field. I don't know. What, who would you prefer, Schwarber or Marte? Obviously, different positions, but... Who knows where you get more offensive production? So, uh, who knows? Schwarber can hit. Well, if bombs. you look at it, if you look at it defensively, it's obviously Marte. Defensively, obviously, that would have been the most aligned. Right? Yeah, no, that would have been the be- better defensively aligned outfield with Marte. Obviously, your center fielder Garcia in right, Jesus in left. 
but yeah, that was, um, it was nice to see that the Marlins were willing to go to four years, $60 million for Marte. And you know, the Mets just, they, they crap money so they can, they offered him $78 million in Miami. It was never going to match that. I was, you know, I was like surprised that Marte wouldn't have just taken, you know, he clearly wanted to be in Miami. I think yeah. he would like Miami a lot better. I'm surprised he didn't take a little bit of a discount because Miami would have gone a little bit more than 60, but he said, Hey, you're offering $18 million more. He's going to go to New York. So the next move, I think, I think it's going to be Schwarber, whether they do a trade with an American league team or not. I think Schwarber is someone that they like. They saw him go crazy in Miami when he was hot as hell. And we were doing fish stripes live and we had the over under on how many bombs Schwarber will hit. I think he hit like three in that series. So I think he's someone that they saw up close and they liked him a lot. So I, I think he's someone that makes sense. And it seems to be at an affordable contract. I think it was what three or sixty million reported, which is no chump change. That's you know twenty million annually. But that's someone that Miami seems to to have an, a keen eye for. The only teams I've heard going after Schwarber were the Phillies and the Marlins, at least from the last report I yeah. saw. It was John Heyman, but yeah, Schwarber is a very successful player in Lone Depot Park when he hits bombs. He was the hottest hitter entering Lone Depot last year, and he came out even hotter after that. So. That does say a lot. Maybe some players do have a lot of success hitting in Lone Depot. I wish we could find his stats in Marlins Park. I saw 40 homers, but I don't think that's true because maybe I don't think he's played that many games in Lone Depot to to hit 40. And something else really quick about Chris Taylor. Um, You're right. Like that number they ended up signing with for LA. That's literally the the, the contract they offered Marte. Yeah, right. It was very doable, but I think they wanted more offense. Than what those you know what they wanted to spend on that. I think for cheaper they would have done Taylor, but Schwarber and Marte are both superior offensive players than Taylor. Mm-hmm. Taylor just brings you the best versatility in all of Major League Baseball. But I think they're really prioritizing offense here, and it's good to see because they have some of the best pitching in baseball. Definitely a top ten staff. So you just supplement that with some good offense. You can't really just be so dependent on defense, and that's why they went out and got Garcia. That's why they're mm-hmm. looking at Schwarber, even though they already have Garcia. So. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. And that's why it seems like they're not even trying to go big time on center field because right. the way they're making it look and the way that Craig's making it look is just like Miami's not going to go after a big time center fielder. If anything, they go after more of a defensive oriented center fielder that doesn't hit too much, or they go after a big time hitter like Kyle Schwarber, or they make a big time trade with Toronto or, or whoever it's going to be for, for a corner outfielder. And then they'll stick a V style because they're comfortable with that V-style in, in center field, which to me, it's a little bit unsettling. But if that's what they think, that's what they think. Yeah, I, I think also another part that went into it was that they saw the option sort of dwindle away. I think they liked Buxton, but he signed for seven years, $100 million. They saw Marte get signed. They saw that Brian Reynolds was just never going to happen. So they sort of ran out of those pure center field options. And now they're just like, okay, we have Garcia. He's got the sprint speed and he's got the arm to handle center field granted it'll be very scary having him in center field but hey you know like i said if you get 90 to 100 home runs from your outfield who gives a shit about the defense honestly yeah and that's that's pretty much where i go with it like who who cares about defense these guys are hitting bombs we're winning games they're not playing horrible they're they're at a mediocre rate they make a little bit of errors but it's not that bad we're we're, the marlins are winning games Mm -hmm. now let's look at it like this the Marlins don't get Schwarber. They don't get another guy. It's DLC. So that will not happen. I don't think it will, but I, I think they'll get another guy. I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% sure they'll get another guy. But if they don't, it would be D- DLC at center field. Sure. I, I, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. No, it, 
it's just such a moot point because you, we know like certain fact as much as my next breath that deal you know that they will sign another outfielder and dlc will be the fourth but yeah no in-house options miser's gone i'm just kidding but um yeah there there really is no other option other than dlc brinson is gone so you really have no other option that i can think of off the top of my head so they they will be going for for more players and i think something else they, two more. who knows and something else i think they should look for is still more depth because yeah. although it may seem with joey wendell it seems great their, their depth was horrible last year. They had Sandy Leon, Magnary Sierra, Lewis Brinson, Isan Diaz as their bench players. I think they should find some better guys. If you got any, go ahead. But Josh Harrison, I think, should be one that they should consider at least. Yeah, I'm with you on Josh Harrison. I think right now the bench would look like you have DLC on your bench. You have Joey Wendell on your bench. So let's say you get a Monte, uh, Monte, a Josh Harrison on your bench, and you have your backup catcher on your bench. That's a That's hell of a lot better. That pretty good, than yes. Then, you know, you had... Who was I think they had Cody Poteet pinch it. They had Sandy Leon pinch it. And so you're, you just make moves. And if you're, you know, if things are going swell, you have BA, Jazz, Miggy, Lewin, or Jesus all starting. And you have a guy like Wendell and DLC off the bench. And they, they have considered Wendell as a starter. So maybe you even throw Brian Anderson in the bench. I hope he doesn't start too much. I, I do. I don't hope he gets starting minutes, but man, he, he's a good defensive it player. Is. This is innings, bro. Come on, this isn't basketball. But yeah, no, he he'll start two or three times a week. I'm sure. Ba needs a day off or Miggy Rowe. I think he, I can see him platooning a little bit with Miggy Rowe. His um his splits against lefties are just so crazy that I think you can see Wendell getting a good amount of starts against righties, possibly. And something else we have to talk about is that they 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 mentioned in that article Ba at right field. I'm almost yeah. certain they did. That's an option, and he's great defensively there. In 2019, we saw it. He was really good in right field. Not gold glove caliber good but he, he was he was yeah, he, really solid yeah he was crazy in right field I, I liked him there a lot he he just cut off balls really well his cannon of an arm just played so well over there he made every single assist possible and but under that scenario you it looks like you're not signing anyone else because you have jesus and avi and avi and i think there's a typo uh eli mentioned that. i i noticed it right away as well they said avi and right but no they meant him in center and jesus and left but in that case, you didn't sign anyone else, especially if Wendell's the one playing at third. So if they sign, let's say, uh, if they trade for uh, Jose Ramirez, then yeah, move B.A. to right. But I think keep B.A. at third and sign another outfielder. Or if they just see another infielder available, then you look at that that scenario happening. You talked about Jose Ramirez. I think maybe Brian Anderson's included in that trade because they yeah. got to give up a third base possibly. into Cleveland. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, and it's so many ways you could go, and that's the great thing about – not knowing that much about this Marlins offseason because I did not expect the Marlins to get Joey Wendell. We thought they would go maybe after Castellanos. We knew they were going to try to talk about Garcia. We didn't think they would go after Stallings. I thought they would go after more of a Contreras-type guy. And then after seeing the Manny Pena stuff, I thought they would go after a Jan Gomes or a lower-tier catcher. But, man, they've made some moves that really surprised us. And you look at minor leagues, man. Who's the one that goes next? Like, what's that big piece that goes next? And I know they're looking at the bottom of it, the young guys, because the guys that won't be up next year nor the year after. That's what it seems like it's been. Connor Scott, Cam Meisner, um, Kyle Nicholas. I think McCambly goes next, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just too early to tell. I don't I don't see them trading McCambly, too, because they, they've gotten rid of some depth. They haven't gotten rid of the top guys, but I don't think they want to trade, you know, already two guys from that 2020 draft. Um, even though I, I could – it's possible. I think – is if it, since the reports that American League team 
the two teams that I would expect they want really young guys like an Uri or a Salas or a Khalil would be like Pittsburgh and Arizona. But in the American League, it just depends. If you're going for to a win now team like Toronto, maybe a Max Meyer gets someone big. Um, and then if you just go maybe to a Baltimore Orioles team, you said they're closer than most people think. I think they're not that far away. Granted, they're still at least at least two years. Maybe they want someone mid-level or lower level like Yuri. Oh, we'll just have to see. But I think they will trade one more of those young pitchers. I don't think it'll be McCambly, but I, I could see them trading possibly Meyer. But I, I doubt it too because I don't think they want to trade any more of these guys. So we'll have to see. It's going to be fascinating. And Baltimore is actually closer than you would imagine. They have some good pieces. Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins, uh, Adelie Wuchman. That's, that's the number one prospect in all MLB, right? I think he already graduated, but if he isn't. No, Adley is, is still, I think, top five at least. He hasn't made his debut yet. And they have John Means. I think they pretty much just need pitching and somewhat more depth, but I haven't looked into that that much. And I guess the only other thing that we could say that's next for the Marlins that they need is bullpen. They, yeah. they lost Rysel Iglesias. A very good deal that he got with the Angels. Yeah, Miami okay, could have I'm easily fine. matched that, but it's a little bit too much for a closer. I would say. Four years, I'm fine with that. Fuck that. Yeah, and I mean, Andrew Chaffin's still on the market. Um, Cork and Abel's off the market. Uh, Colin McGue, he's still an option. I know um, John Rodriguez of all Marlins mentioned him on Instagram. What bullpen options do the Marlins have? And I know there's the Kenley Jansen thing, but I don't know how true that is now. Yeah, well, Craig Mish said that he has not, not saying that it's not true, but he just hasn't heard that name at all from his sources. So, you know, you have to trust Craig there. You know, I could see that as sort of an option, but Miami's just been so focused on their on their offense and, you know, rightfully so that they've sort of dropped the ball on the bullpen guys. I think I thought Knable would be a good option. And you're right, McHugh is still out there, Chaffin's still out there. So there are some options available, but... Yeah, Iglesias would have been like a dream, but for four years, I thought that was that was a lot for a, for a closer. But Kevin, but yeah, I think yeah, I think they're gonna wait to f- supplement and finish the lineup and the and the position player roster first before they before they address the bullpen. Yeah, I truly think the last thing they'll really address is another outfield spot. Maybe go after non roster invitee. Um, when it comes to uh infield maybe they'll go after one more guy i don't know the only other guy i really want for an infield is josh harrison right now he's a utility guy it, it makes a lot of sense he, and i think he could play outfield too if i'm correct right uh, i believe so i'm not 100 yeah. certain on that I'm you guys saying. know lurry was my guy now it's josh harrison and andrew chafin when it comes to cheap reliable guys that make sense for the marlins those are the ones calling mcgue still available too so there's a lot there and uh as you all know when it's just me and isaac we do the player spotlight Today's Trevor Rogers. We're going down that rotation. Your thoughts on Trevor's 2021 season? We went, I think, a lot in it. The last show that it was just you and me, because uh, that's when he was um, the runner-up for Rookie of the Year. But we could get a, a little bit deeper into Rogers right now when it comes to his season. Yeah, you know, as we all know, he he was second in the National League Rookie of the Year voting. He only got one first-place vote, which I thought was a little short. I thought he'd get at least two or three. And what surprised me was the lack of second-place votes that he got because he was – you know, I think Christina said that too. It was like the clear cut second best rookie in all of Major League Baseball in the National League. So that was surprising, a little disappointing, but what a year, man. You know, you saw it in spring training right away. He was dominating. I saw him a couple times. I saw him in West Palm Beach and I saw him in Jupiter. You could see it's a different guy. And ever since that first inning and his first start against St. Louis, I'll never forget it. He like walked five or four guys, gave up a bomb to center field off Yadier, Yadiel, uh, Yadier Merlina. Um, what a year this guy had. He obviously missed a lot of time, rightfully so, did some family health problems, but you know, he came back. He didn't go in deep into starts as much as he'd like. He sort of fell off a little bit, 
but his numbers still were spectacular and just hopefully he he'll come back for a great sophomore season but what a tremendous year for trevor rogers the Marlins couldn't have asked for a better season trevor rogers back again and he brings a 208 era into the ball game tonight he has been spectacular all season long again a 3-2 pitch and that one tipped into the glove so strikeout number eight yeah, it, it seemed like he was going to be a little bit shaky at the beginning after that first start with St. Louis, against St. Louis. But after that, that shaky start, he was on a roll. He ended with two rookies of the month. Man, this guy this guy really improved a lot from what we saw in 2020, those couple uh, small starts he made with the Marlins. Um, I don't think he pitched in the playoffs, if I'm correct. Uh, I think it was just Pablo. Uh, he Sandy. did pitch in 20. He did pitch in the postseason. He was brought he in okay. in the elimination game when Sixto got absolutely railed. He was brought in to pick a little bit in that Atlanta game, and he he gave up some hits and runs. That was because Sierra bobbled the ball in center field a bunch of times. But he was good. You could tell right away that Trevor would be would be a an asset going forward. Yeah, and and what's most interesting about it is he was the final pick of the of the Laureate era. So many thought maybe yes. he wouldn't be used as much. Maybe. Many thought he would get shipped off to a new team or just not given the chance. But you start looking at it. I think there's a couple of players from that from that Loria era who are still in the Marlins. Pablo and Trevor, the most notable noticeable ones, which are both in the rotation. Where do you see Trevor next season in that rotation? I mean, after the season he had, you could put him at second or third. You could interchange it. I personally see him over Pablo at second as the second guy. Unless you want to have, I guess, a middle guy who, who's just lights out and that would be trevor or it really just is interchangeable at the end of the day in my opinion yeah just really quick one more thing on, on trevor you mentioned that he was the last pick from the loria era the pick the year before him was the first round pick was braxton garrett and for the next three years after that braxton garrett was considered the better prospect he had that wipeout curveball you know yeah. he just maintained velocity and trevor rogers struggled a little bit in in his first glance at low a he had like a five era and then he just started striking everyone out and it just you know, catapulted over over Garrett, just you know, kind of cool. And he was the lower draft pick. You know, like he was a higher selection than Garrett. So that, I thought that was interesting. Regarding the 2022 rotation, I see him as slotting right in the middle at third. I think he's a third piece. I think he'll start in the first series, third game. I think you have Sandy and Pablo going one and two. Get a nice lefty in the middle of it, and then the four and fifth spots are just completely up to grabs. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting what Miami does because six still seems like he's ready for revenge and have that revenge tour. Many people saying that he he isn't gonna be good. Mish being out on him, which surprises me a little bit. We'll see what Sixto does, and then we'll see with Edward Jesus Luzardo. I, I do assume will be in that rotation after. Especially he'll get. It, it seems like a constant thing with Miami. You give up a big time piece for a young asset. That young asset is gonna play a lot, a lot in the MLB. That's what happened with Isan, Brinson, all these guys who are no longer with the team now. Well, Isan still is, but, you know, Brinson especially, he was given a lot of time to play at pretty much. At, he was an everyday starter at, at, in 2018 and 2019. So He started every single freaking day in 2018. He started every single freaking day in 2019 up until, like, May. Then they sent him down finally when he, like, hit even worse than he did in 2018. I think overall in his four years – including the lock, uh, the shortened season. He had a th over a thousand plate appearances, which is crazy. And yeah, just, they, they give guys their shot. They give guys chance. But I think this year, starting this year, they're going to start, you know, having a shorter leash. I don't think, you know, if let's say, I don't know, Dillard or Jesus Sanchez comes out struggling, they're not going to think twice before, you know, 
giving someone else an opportunity. I think they're going to have a very short leash. That's why there's no room for Brinson and his struggles this year anymore. I think 2022, they're serious as balls, and I don't think they're going to be, they're going to have a long leash on anyone. That's a wrap, everybody. Wow, that's a wrap for you, brother. Sorry. It's literally but, a wrap. Yeah. But um, yeah, Luzardo, I think if he struggles, they'll have no problem sending him down or putting him in the bullpen. I think they're going to be really strict this year. Yeah, and just to finish off the player thing, the player spotlight with Trevor, seven wins, eight losses, 264 ERA, 25 games. Although those were started, 133 innings pitched, 157 strikeouts, 1.15 whip. And uh, the next segment's going to be a little bit of a funny one, in my opinion. We're going to talk about random Marlins, random players that were on the Marlins. Uh, we, were, we were talking on our group chat about just random guys, and, and, and it came in my mind. I was like, Let's talk about random guys, and I'll let you start with your guy, and then I'll go to mine. Yeah, I, mean, I had no idea we were going to do this, but you sent me the text, and I was like, all right, that'd be fun. And it's like the most random guy who I remember clearly was Justin Ruggiano, very handsome guy. I have no idea who that is, but, you know, I'll he, let you keep going. He came into Miami, I believe it was 2012, and he played a lot of center field in the second half, and he was really good in 2012, and he, he started every day in 2013 as well. And then I believe later on in the year, he set the record for Marlins anyway. I, I don't know if you like can confirm if it's still the record for the most hitless at bats. He was at 42. He went over 42 at one point. Worse than and, and he broke that record in Kansas City with like a little squibbler up the middle. But he was a really cool player. He came in in 2012 in that inaugural Marlins Park season. And he really played. He was honestly one of the best offensive players they had that year because everyone offensively sucked. Hanley sucked. Reyes, Reyes was actually good. But, you know, John Buck struggled, Morrison struggled, Gabby Sanchez struggled mightily. We had Omar Infante that year, and just Ruggiano came up, and he performed really well. And he earned a starting job in 2013. He played pretty decently, and then he just sort of fell flat on his face a little bit. But nonetheless, I remember him fondly, and he was a cool guy. Did um, you, you, you mentioned Joe Buck, John Buck or Joe Buck? John Buck. The catch. Oh, okay. I, I was about to say, if that was the, the, the guy from Fox or wherever he is. Yeah. Weird. And my guy's Dan Heron, a little bit more remembered from I think 2015. It was yeah, it was 2015. I, throw I actually, I actually do have the stats: seven and seven with time in the Marlins before he got traded to Chicago. Uh, 3.42 ERA, 129 innings pitched, 88 strikeouts, 4.3 WHIP. He was actually solid for the Marlins. Uh, he he was it decent was. until he got traded for Ivan Pinheiro and Elliot Soto, who have turned out to be nobodies. Um, for, for the Marlins didn't turn out to be anything good. He got traded to Chicago. It, pretty good guy. I mean, he was pretty good for the Marlins in his time. Random dude, in my opinion, for some reason, because just all of a sudden I was in school and I was like, Dan Heron would pitch for the Marlins in 2015. My grandpa saw him pitch when he went to uh, Chicago. But after that, uh, I don't think he played af- anymore after Chicago. That was his last stop, of correct. Yeah, I remember this very clearly as well i remember he was the best pitcher on miami for a, a, a little bit of a time you know like for a couple months he was, was like, that during the hernandez uh when he was recovering from tommy john yeah all right there we go 2015 jose made his return on july 2nd and yeah heron was pitching and heron he was like the stopper he was almost the guy who was like okay thank god he's up and i remember my dad would be like oh dan heron is pitching good and i'm like yeah imagine he's our best guy but yeah dan heron was really good i remember him he's a one of the best Twitter guys in all of Major League Baseball. His hash, his username is I throw eighty eight because that's like the hardest he threw. But he was a he was a really awesome guy. Great with the media. Uh, really awesome dude. 
Yeah, and I think that's what we'll, where we will end it. Uh, obviously, I think you guys have noticed a trend with us. It's one episode just means Isaac and then the next one a guest. So we will have a guest very highly anticipated for us. We, we wanted this guy for a while, and we're very excited to have him. Won't say the name. We'll let you guys guess in the comments. But yeah, Isaac, uh, thank you for coming on again as usual. Uh, it's just, it's it's great doing these. It's going to be difficult now with the lockout. So you'll be seeing a lot of more random Marlin dudes, as uh, Eli mentioned, because we need, and we'll probably do more uh, throwback uh, stuff for, for the Marlins because it, it's interesting to talk about this stuff. You know, for example, that playoff series against Atlanta, I guess not much to talk about there, but interesting time, the playoff, the, the last playoff appearance for the Marlins, the last, last one in 2003 when they won the World Series, which... Many say it was by accident. Maybe we could talk about 2012. A lot there to talk about throwback-wise. We'll for sure talk about more roster reconstruction and minor leagues, which are going to be very interesting. And uh, I guess another break news, the Rule 5 draft won't be happening, the MLB portion of it. So something else interesting there. Yeah, postponed. Uh, someone misreported that it was canceled. It's just apparent, allegedly being postponed. But I just wanted to go over Justin Ruggiano's numbers in 2012. Yeah, I remember nasty he hit 313 got on base at 374 and slugged 535 for an ops of 909 in 2012. Maybe it was, I remember he was in 320 plate appearances and then in 2013 with miami his last season with miami got ops below 700 hit 222 so it's just how difficult it is to be consistent in major yeah. base. maybe the marlins could use that uh 2020 2012 version of that guy because yeah, they really do was, need it it was awesome i remember that so so yeah. clearly any last uh, comments on today's show, Isaac? And uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Nope. Just, you know, we're in a lockout. All all transactions have been frozen. Doesn't mean that general managers and presidents won't be calling each other under the table, quote unquote. But unfortunately, we will, guys won't see any news for a good amount of time. And we'll be here just, you know, reminiscing about fond memories, shitty memories, and going back and forth with, with nice guests. Yeah, ma ma mainly shitty, but there are obviously some good guests, uh, good memories there. So, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Make sure to tune into Fish Stripes Live. The next one is on Wednesday at 7, if I'm correct. I actually won't be there, nor for the next one. So uh, it'll be Isaac hosting it for, for you guys. I'll see you guys on the next one from me, from Isaac, Eli down there uh, pro producing it. Peace out, guys. Go fish. Uh -huh.